Welcome along to the Wise Men's Here podcast. I want to introduce straight away uh, the first guest on the show, my washing machine again. I'm not making any apologies for it. It's tough. It always seems to manage to be on a spin cycle or a other bit where it drains when I come and sit in the kitchen. My conservative window's been open. I'm not going to sit in there. So it's just tough, like it or lump it. Um, hope you're not a first-time listener. <laughs> I know. Wonder what that's about. You, you know, you wouldn't have the input of the the washing machine on the previous pod was, you know, spectacular. So obviously, well, it was just a strange way for somebody to introduce a podcast anywhere, even without the, you know, the previous, the previous. You know, who cares? Um, that's, you know, my philosophy. Appearances. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And this is it. Lockdown. You get what you're given, and uh, <laughs> we're happy to keep giving you this content anyway especially after a result like we've just had and uh, Charlie Wyke has scored a hat-trick for historical context anybody listening Charlie Wyke has scored a hat-trick okay we always backed him from the start so did every Sunderland fan <laughs> I'm sure uh, who have we got tonight with us joining me and Gareth we've got Michael Luff evening evening no background noises to um, to put mine under threat no, not really. Um, although I'm sure you do these things just so we can have a bit of small talk to start the podcast, just so there's no like awkward silences at the start. What right? That would be that would be meticulous planning. That although it, it, it doesn't matter what time we record it, it, it always seems to be when the the washing machine's on. So that's what happens when you've got about a million kids anywhere. The washing machine's never off. Um, and we have Melissa Johnson's joining us tonight as well for another Howdy. appearance. Howdy. Howdy. Uh, How you doing? Very well, thank you. Everybody watched the match. Let's just establish that straight away. Yes, Matthew's not on, so yep. obviously. Yes. Yeah, good. <laughs> right, well, I did miss the goal, the first goal, because my Wi-Fi was playing up. <laughs> and by the time I got it on, it was one of those, you know, like when you're like, oh, get in, oh, no. It's like, because <laughs> you don't want to miss the goal, but then you're still happy that we've scored. Um, do you know, like, when you're actually at the, at the match and you go the, if you need to, like, go to the toilet when the match is still on? Do you want Sunderland not to score, or or do you like have that little debate with yourself, where you're thinking, oh, well, I, no, I do hope you score, or or what? Have people been conflicted over that before? No, I, I go on purpose just to eke it out. Um, I think I'm talking years ago. I remember Stefan Schwartz scored at the Stadium of Light, and I remember thinking, well, this is a new thing. I'll go score at the toilet and we'll score. <laughs> and I don't think it's happened since. No, you, did you try that every week since? Every week. <laughs> <laughs> without question and it's never happened again so hopefully you never know one day I think you must have wrestled with that before Mickey I reckon yeah definitely it happened to me um, last season when we scored against Lincoln like when Gooch got the third I'd just gone down but the thing was I wasn't actually in the toilet like I was on the concourse and the ball had just been played over the top but on the screen Gooch had just got the ball and the crowd started like going nuts I was like oh great so the TV must be about 30 seconds behind so, oh, but it was that kind. It was that kind of bittersweet feeling because, like, you can't exactly like go mental by yourself on a deserted concourse. So you're just kind of like, oh well, like <laughs> I'm pleased we scored, but right, carry on. <laughs> Some people would say you could do that. I think you would be forgiven. I but like as I say, there was just nobody about. There was just me on the concourse. So like, what am I gonna do? Start running around because we scored a third goal against Lincoln. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah, I do do the thing that people do when we score in the last minute and run back up to pit, back up to the pitch view. Yeah. As if, like, you're going to, like, <laughs> see the goal replayed or something. I've What's with Niall, Quinn, mm. Niall Quinn's um, final goal against Luton in the quarter-final of the League Cup? I missed that. Went to the toilet. 
in like 97, 98, 99, I think it was, and I missed. Uh, is that that the the lob was the lob? Yeah, like the lob, like in the last minute. Yeah, where like chest and body. Oh, it was a good goal. Great goal. Um, and great goal. I missed. Um, well, I, I was coming up the um, ramp at Wembley um, to see uh, Richard Rufus uh, celebrating uh, their th- the, th- the third equaliser. <laughs> so yeah. A bittersweet memories of uh, only only uh, yeah non-league fixtures are where the goals happen when I've been to the toilet. This is a good segment, isn't it? Just talking about going to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know so many people who missed uh, Defoe's goal against the Mags because they were having the pint or like on the lower some of the half time so I think that's a, probably, a, a, that's a message why you should never go before half time well uh, Newcastle's probably the only match I ever make sure that I'm definitely in for kickoff mm-hmm. and that I don't um, have any toilet breaks or anything for that reason when we're doing the fun I remember as well mid- go on oh sorry no but um Many a moon ago, um, for a little bit, I lived on uh, Roker Park where they built the, the housing estate on top of it. And I asked me, me uncle, I was like, well, where was it? And he went, ah, oh, your house is in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so Great. I physically lived in the Roker Park toilets for a year. <laughs> they weren't worth being in for about 10 seconds then, were they? Have they given a name? Like, the haven't they given some of the street names like Midfield Drive? I uh, like promotion clothes and stuff uh, like that. I wonder if they give the toilet or full in toilet drive. <laughs> Right. Um, uh, the first goal was um, we'll keep talking about Paul Moore, don't we? And uh, I, I think you know with Charlie Wake, it's you know his 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 frame suggests he should be a player who can sort of hold the ball up and bring other players into play, and he really struggles to do that. He he seems to fluctuate his performance from one week to the other. And sometimes a ball just comes back; he doesn't make it stick whatsoever. But I guess. And there's something Phil Parkinson to allude to. Actually, his game is probably more about getting in the box and scoring goals. We've just not seen it much of it before, before this manager. And we we can we can only praise him at the moment, can't we? I think fair to do that. How could you not after a hat trick? Mickey, he's been he's been, um, he's been decent this season generally, uh, hasn't he? Did you ask Mickey to speak? Definitely been his best season for us. Yeah, but you've got a delay, but you just go with it. Just roll with it. Yeah, I, I think um, as you know, he has been better this season, um, and he's what his goal return. What has he got? How many has he got in the league? Ten, something like that, probably. Um, something like it that. Must be around yeah. ten goals he's got in the league now. Um, and that's you know one in two in it in the league. You can't really argue with that. Um, but is you know I was really impressed with like the Alutu there. Seeing his style of performance was very different. I think having O'Brien up there with him helped a lot, um, and he was he was making runs in behind a lot. You need like, I, I think I'm, I'm trying to think of games he's played for Sunderland where he's probably had more touches in the box because he seemed to be getting the ball in the box a lot. Um, which is something you know. Obviously, we've had a problem with that generally. Anyway, getting players in the box, but it's good for your striker to be getting onto things and getting onto different kinds of passes, and not getting the ball with his back to goal all the time and trying to hold it and lay it off. You know, he's coming onto things. Um, yeah, and, you that's know, been he, the difference. And, and there's obviously there's something this manager's brought, isn't it? Because it's something he's brought. He has got ten goals, you're right. So 
18 games and 10 goals, which is a really, really good ratio, to be fair, in League One. And then the EFL Trophy, four games and three goals, which is even better. So um, overall, 13 in, in 24, so better than one and two. So that's nice, isn't it? Has anyone scored yeah. 13 I'm sure, I'm sure, since, um, in a season since we've been in the third division, aside from Magic? Oh. Don't think they have, have they? No. I don't, no. I think the point I was going to make, since we've come down to League One, one of our more glaring failures has been whoever the striker is, we've never played to their strengths or to get the best out of them. And I think it's important what you touched on there, Stephen, that I think since um, Johnson's coming in particular, we have tried to get him kind of getting in. I know like, people cringe at the poor more, but basically for, like, for quite simple near post runs, but the not runs he was necessarily making, and we weren't getting quality balls into the box into those areas previously. So I think that's a big plus to come out of the weekend. And I think it's right what you were saying. Like, kind of We do look at White and think maybe he's a target man because of his frame, but when you look at the goals he scored, he very rarely scores kind of like scruffy goals. He's the like quite good quality like kind of centre forward finishes so I think Saturday we saw the very best of White and I really hope it continues because some of the centre forward player was excellent the third goal what I really liked was as soon as Scowen got the ball then White was pointing into the exact area where he wanted the ball and it's a lovely little ding finish over the keeper so I just think that we just need to keep on playing to his strengths and hopefully he can continue this ratio at the end of the season Absolutely Absolutely and um, I think you know, it's quite easy now, isn't it? I know, um, I listened to the D3, D4 podcast, and he's mentioned a couple of times and saying sort of like, oh, you know, he's been much maligned and he's had a bit of stick. But I, I, don't, I don't think he, like, people are very vocal on Twitter about it, aren't they? And we might have had a bit of a moan. But, I, you know, my, my sort of feeling, I don't know what you think, Melissa, in the ground is people have always been quite supportive of Charlie White, I think, <coughs> because, because he gives it all. The lack of quality is clear, but... He gives 100% and I think fans have always respected that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think I've definitely heard a lot more criticism of um, of other players other than Charlie White. I think um, I wouldn't say he gets let off. I think some people do have the knack of just reacting to what they see straight in front of them. But when you talk through those sort of statistics, they do. you don't realise until you really look that they do speak for themselves. And I think one of the good things about like, at the moment... Um, after that match particularly, I said one of the, the biggest things, it's not to do with kind of his fitness or anything like that, it's to do with his confidence. And he says that his game's changed since that. You can tell even since Johnson came in, you can tell he's, he's getting in the right positions and it's exactly what you said about. He's got the exact right frame for it and that second goal in particular proved that. It was absolutely smashing goal. It was a, it was a forwards goal. Yeah, it absolutely was. And it does make it... Think that they're working on that in the training ground. I think I don't know what you think, Mick, but you know, will Greg look like he's out long term? And it does make you worry now <laughs> that you know the goals are going to dry up again because it's not like we are like let, let's not you know reinvent what's happening here. We aren't. We, we've had a couple of good wins under Johnson, but we don't look like this team that's going to score every time we go forward at all. Um, you know, I, I would argue even that you know we don't look a lot better, particularly than than we did on under Parkinson personally I think that's fine because we know the new manager's got a very different philosophy and it's going to take time for him to put that on but do we ever think Mick we were going to be in a position where we uh, are sort, sort of desperate enough for Charlie White to get injured because we're going to struggle for goals now if, if, he, if something happens with him 
Yeah, we definitely do need to bring in the new centre-forward. I know we've been linked with a uh, striker from Preston recently. I don't know how much is in that. But, no, you're dead right. I think the thing with Saturday is me and my dad were talking after the game and we were saying, how would you explain to someone who's maybe been at work and not seen the game that we've won 3 nil away from home, White's got a hat rate, we kept the clean sheet, but we weren't that impressive? Mm-hmm. So, I think, um, yeah, there's always room for improvement, but I'd much rather win 3 nil away from home and be talking about room for improvement than maybe under Parkinson. I'm not just kind of throwing shade because he's not here anymore, but I think we would have sat back a lot more than what we did. He wouldn't have made the positive substitutions and we probably would have come away from that scrape and a 1-0 at best. But I think the big difference with Johnson, what we've seen so far, is he's proactive. He obviously thinks quite deeply about the game. And I think that that's another encouraging sign, even though we maybe weren't our best. We're still coming away talking about the 3-0 win rather than a draw or scrape in the 1-0. So we need to take the positives of that going forward, I think. I think one of the yeah. real positives I mean, was um, it's been a, it's been a regular conversation. The, um, the the way that they did it, like Wimbledon, really didn't really change the gate, change the way they played at one nil, and obviously we got the second goal after eighty six minutes, and then they came out. So it's quite interesting, you know. We we failed to get that early goal in many games we've played, and our main issues being breaking teams down who just decide to want to, you know, let us have the ball and say right you've got to break us down um, and we got in loads like when we brought Diamond on and then when we got that second goal we could have scored about three in the last sort of ten minutes I know they're chasing the game but it might be a little window into what could happen if you're playing somebody else who might be a bit more ambitious once you get in front so if you're playing a, a better side for example and you go ahead they're going to probably fancy themselves a bit more um, I don't think it's any coincidence that we absolutely battered Lincoln in that first half, um, because for the, for those reasons, you know, they they were an open, expansive team. They wanted to take the game to us, and we we picked them off and and, and and took those chances. And it was nice to see us play two different ways in a game as well. You know, we've talked about this before with Johnson, where we we kind of went from a possession based game to counter attack. Counter attacking team in the same game. We look great on the counter attack. Like it's really good. Like our, we've scored some excellent counter attacking goals under Johnson so far. It's really really positive. I mean, Diamond should have had one when he hit the post as well. Um, and there was another one where White probably should have taken one on himself and tried to play Diamond in stuff like that. So we had loads of good chances um, sort of in that last ten minutes. Um, I think if you're an XG well, fan, which obviously we are not, um, I think on that D3D4 pod they were saying we've got the worst XG convert. I think we've got the we've got the, one of the best XGs and the worst conversion rates. The like the best, in, the best. I 10. think, yeah. I think it's one in ten shots on yeah. target. Something we score, something like that. I think you know. You've both you've both touched on it there. How significant is it that we can make five substitutions now? Because I think this is massive for Sunderland. You just said there, you know, it wasn't a vintage performance at all. And then in the last 10 minutes, it sort of sparked in a life. Because you're bringing on substitutes with the quality, the individual quality, you know, in relative terms for the, for this division. And we've always said, people have always acknowledged Sunderland have had the biggest squad, uh, the best squad in terms of um, you know, depth and um, strength and depth and stuff like that. And it's never really been relevant when Parkinson was making one sub or sometimes no subs. And suddenly you're putting players on with the quality of 
of um, Chris Maguire and, and, and you know, countless others. And how significant is that? Because I think that's huge for Sunderland going forward. I think it's huge for a club like us. I, I don't know how I would feel <clears throat> necessarily if I was down there knowing that my team aren't going to be able to really, really take advantage in the way that, that we can. Um, but I think it's a huge difference. I think the, the subs he made and when he did them were really, really smart. Um, and it really, really impacted the game. I thought it completely changed it because before that, even though Wad scored, it was just it was relatively dull. Um, and I think the the substitutes he made um, just brought a little bit of spark back to the game. And I don't think it's a myth either because I was talking to my friend who supports Doncaster, and he was he was saying they've got the opposite um, issue. He, they, they're concerned because they've been going on this really good run because they've found a starting eleven that really clicked and really worked together, but they've got barely any strength and depth. And they uh-huh. said if all the subs are going to start putting four and five um, players who are equal to the ones who are already on the pitch on, they're going to really struggle. So you can see why the Premier League clubs don't want it, can't you? The bottom <laughs> half of the Premier League, why that still hasn't happened yet because it's going to be... I mean, imagine Man City or somebody playing playing against Fulham and they're going to just make five changes. So you can kind of understand it, but it's going to work for our advantage, I think, isn't it? I guess I our, our competitive advantage has been throttled, hasn't it? Like by, with the, <laughs> in some respects, by the... Um, the uh, salary cap in one way so like you know we can pinch a bit in other areas of other people are going to benefit from us not having the ability to flex um, maybe in areas where mm. others can't Mick? Yeah I think, I think we've got some great options in attacking areas like we saw at the weekend I mean not many teams can bring on the likes of Chris Maguire in other weeks we've seen Lyndon Gooch come on off the bench and obviously if McGeady ever needs a rest I mean, I mean imagine being like a League One defender and you see Aidan McGeady coming on the bench for the last 20 minutes when you're a bit tired so we have I mean, some... even, yeah, even Diamond and Maguire there's just two yeah. wide players coming on you're a tired defender Exactly we've got some we've got some really great options off the bench and what I think will be very advantageous about this with Lee John and like I said earlier, I think he's a manager who is very methodical and he'll plan substitutions at certain stages of the game and he'll have different plans according to the result. If we're winning, what do we need to do? If we're drawn, what do we need to do? And if we're getting beat, what do we need to do to try and kind of chase the game? So I do think that in the long run that can really kind of um, play to our advantage and we need to utilise it because we need to go on a run here. I think we do. Any, any, any comments on individual performances? Winchester looked... Relatively tidy when it come on. Very hard to judge over, over a so you know a short space of time like that. He was all right. I, mm. mean, I didn't really notice. Oh, well, that's what you said. Yeah, he looked, he looked yeah, well, all he right. Passed, well, I know. I just think like, maybe one, I acknowledge him because it was his debut. He passed one ball out straight out, playing fell over, and then he he passed he passed <laughs> the ball twice. Aside from that, and then that was it. Really, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not like having a go at him. I saying, think, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to be positive. <laughs> No, at least he won't be as bad as Defoe, Gareth. That's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the fact that Lee Johnson came out and he was like, aye, Winchy, Winchy. I thought it was great. We've got Winchy, we've got Gucci. It's, it's all a little bit boys clubby, but I'm not bothered. Did, did anybody, um, did anyone just get a surprise when I watch his interview and he starts to speak? Because I didn't know he was Northern Irish. And then he come out and there's really, really strong Northern Irish <laughs> accent. Like Winchester sounds quite, quite like, middle, like a middle class or upper class English name, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Really strong eye. Like even, <laughs> to be even fair, at the point where he was doing the Jim McDonald sort of. So he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Jim McDonald stuff. So he was. Yeah, I, know. I thought it was great anyway. Uh, uh, so that's aside, all we've got. To, 
Aside from people having class accents, um, I think my, one of my favourite feats of the weekend was seeing um, Willis come back because I yeah. think he really solidifies the defence. And what I think um, Willis does, he takes a lot of the pressure off Bailey Wright because I think when Bailey Wright plays alongside anybody else, he feels the pressure to kind of be the commanding centre half who brings the ball out of defence and almost becomes a bit of a ball playing centre half. Whereas I think when Willis is in there, he very much understands that that's what Jordan Willis's role is and he's a lot better at doing it. So Wright kind of just keeps it simple and does his job and he's much more like a stopper rather than trying to bring the ball out. So I think having Willis in just provide you just you don't really notice how good he is and how much we miss him until he's not there. And I think it was excellent to see him come through 90 minutes and hopefully he can stay fit now for the rest of the season. Now he's had that operation or injection or whatever it was. Yeah, no, fantastic, and and that and that pairing is as good as you're going to get, isn't it? So it's just it's piecing the other bits up. Left back has um, become a bit of a problem now, hasn't it, with Hume's long-term injury? Because that you know Callum McFadden looked okay his first couple of games, but I think what we've probably established straight away is he's a wing back, a good wing back with a back three, not so much a good left back with a back four. Is 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 well is what my conclu- conclusion is with that? I think. Yeah, I think he, it's that's an area you need to improve in, and you know if Griggs going to be out for a while, we're going to need another another forward. Um, and he fancies a wide player, Donny another wide player. You know, we've got loads of them. So um, I'd be thinking about another goalkeeper if I could, but I doubt he will. Um, but we've only got thirteen days. Mm, it's starting to look a bit tight, isn't it? And there's it's pretty quiet. I think he, um, I think he even said he's looking to get sure. one more in, and I don't, I don't think that's that's enough. But obviously, yeah. we're fighting a losing battle when you, like what we've said about the, uh, the amount of money we can spend, and and then obviously looking at new takeovers and and that sort of thing. We're, we're a bit stuck. Sorry, my washing machine is going to take off here. <laughs> um, not yet. I mean, I mean, a left back and a centre forward is definitely what you'd be looking at. I've just stepped in the concert. This is ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> sorry, Mick, go on. Yeah. So, it, with, with regards to left back, does anyone think that um, Sanderson could be a long term option there? Because mm-hmm. you talked about the transfer window. I see that Cardiff have been interested in taking him back on loan, but that's been rejected. And there's a few clubs kind of sniffing around him. And my concern is if we can't offer him sustainable guaranteed first team football then Wolves are going to say alright then we're going to take him back and send him somewhere where we can and I think it's good to have Sanderson as like an option but when he's coming from the Premier League with the quality that he clearly possesses I don't think it's really fair on the lad to have him kind of as a utility cover so do you think left back he could play there more sustainably rather than bringing in another body while Hume's recovering? He's going to have to give it a go I think isn't he because like I say I just don't think don't think McFadden fit, fit, fits a bill, but you never know. You know, plenty of players. He hasn't been here that long, um, but I, that would be a massive concern of mine in the transfer market because you know Max Power is filling at right back and looks a lot more at home being a fullback than McFadden does, and he's played there probably twice in his career or one and a half games in his career. Um, we like doing this, don't we? And uh, all the other lads mentioned on the other pod um, and went back. To a certain degree, although Julio Arca was signed as a left back, lads. I'm sorry, he might not have played there, but he was signed as a left back. And Mickey Gray also made his debut as a left back. So just being pedantic there. But Gary Owens, Gary Owens was my uh, was my first memory of us uh, turning a, a midfielder into a into a right back. Um, but thoughts on Max Power there? He looks all right, doesn't he? Comfortable on the ball, pretty much all you need to be energetic and comfortable on the ball, playing that position, I strong on the tackle. 
my favourite feature of Max Power played like as a fullback. I think he likes to overlap quite a lot, which and he's got and he's got a decent delivery on him at times. So I think he's got all the attributes to play there, especially coupled with what you've said there, Stephen. So I, I think I put on Twitter the other day. I don't think I'd be disappointed to see it become more of a permanent feature because clearly mm-hmm. I don't know why, but ever since that Walsall red card was rescinded, that we've not seen the best of him in centre midfield. And obviously he's got a shot on them, and I think he could be a little bit like Craig Gardner cutting in and having those kind of shots and from long range and hopefully get a few goals under his belt as well so I wouldn't be too disappointed naturally I think like all 9 there he's got his limitations maybe positionally going back as well but the longer he plays then the more game time he gets I think the better he'll be so I wouldn't be too worried at all about power if he had to play there longer term I bet Lugo 9's happy because you feel like he, he must be thinking now that's opened up a spot for him in the middle of the park which we've been calling for for a while I think he's he's, he's got far too much to offer I think from from an attacking position, Luke O'Neill, attacking central position, and to play a right back. Although that might be that might be some time off. Yeah, I guess. But um, well, he was on the bench. He was on the bench. In terms of you know, he mustn't be that far. He was. Away. Yeah, he was. But I don't know if that's just needs must. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, thoughts on Josh Scowen? I think he kind of typified the whole Sunderland performance. I think he was very average for the mo- for the most part. But then sort of. Did a lot of good work late on. I think I had a, I was like screaming like at the television, pass it, pass it, and he was going through at the end, and like he held onto it and held onto it, and I think <laughs> and then he played a good ball in, so I was like, all right, okay, like I look like an idiot now. Um, <laughs> but I, I did. Uh, I, I, I was like on, the, I was on the verge of like I thought like, I'm going to have to like drive down there and snap you because that is he was just wasteful all day like getting in the good areas and then giving the ball away and doing stuff like that but you know it was a good ball again and made possible by good runs from White and good runs from Diamond as well Um, but he's had some better games recently but and he had a little patch where he looked quite decent and then he got injured Mm -hmm. and since he's come back in he's just been a bit wishy-washy again um, and with the abundance of centre midfielders we've got um, you know he might he might be you know if, if he doesn't I'm just fascinated sort of, to, see if he, to see if he actually does if he does actually move all nine in there because we've we've been <laughs> sort of urging the last two managers to do it and every time you think they're going to they just do nothing of the sort do they? So that'll be really interesting to see if he actually goes. He does go and do it. Um, should we have a little break and then come back and talk about the Plymouth game? And and uh, I was going to say the takeover there, but it's not happened yet still. Um, but maybe maybe sort of extend that out of the transfer window and stuff. So we'll have a little break. We'll come back and do that. So we are here, obviously, with um, the man who's probably bought the most uh, from the terraces items on the planet, and that's Mickey Love. And I'm sure that <laughs> see, he see, will advise you. That. It's true. I'm sure he will advise you that if you go to from the uk and use the code WMS10, um, what would you recommend you use that code on, Miggy? Yeah, this time of year it's got to be the windbreaker jackets, hundred percent. Keep you warm. Great. Uh, I just I think like how good would the terraces have looked in the away end on Saturday when then White sailed his hat trick late on, 
just saying like bodies everywhere in very stylish attire so when we get moments like that get yourself up from the terraces use a discount code WMS10 and make sure you look mint when you get back on them terraces and go wild when white scores to get us promoted yeah, a bit real t- retail therapy for the January blues. I'm still waiting Treat to yourself. get an update on the cravat situation, but that's fine. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you'd be waiting. Maybe you'll hit. You'd be waiting as long as we were waiting on a takeover update, I think, on the <laughs> Well, I mean, on, the, on, on that, so did anybody see the, the comments from the um, Forest Green manager when when he was talking about Sunderland signing Winchester and he said that um, Rodwell called him up, didn't he? And he thought he was after another player and he was like, oh no, we can't afford him. And it's... I don't, I don't want to be negative, but, you know, I, I would I would hope that if this guy's got all, you know, all the money and he's planning on putting money in it, I know we're restricted what we can do in terms of salaries and wages, but you'd hope you could maybe pay 40 grand or whatever it is to pay someone like Danny Graham off, wouldn't mm-hmm. you? You'll be, you'll be hoping we, we were ambitious enough and we had enough money to do that. Um, you know, that might be on the cards or something, but it just concerned me a tiny bit that where I was thinking, you know, what, Maybe what position are we seeing that we're in there? We can't, we can't afford to sign Forrest Green's best player. Well... Maybe. But I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm being a bit ignorant, you know, maybe he's sort of championship quality and he can get more wages than we can offer him and it is that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know Forrest Green's players very well. So let's hope it's that and, and, be, and be positive. Um, Plymouth. Um, what do people want to see happen with the team? Freshen it up or keep it like it is and then try and get a good, get yourselves into a good lead and then start to make some of those subs again? And then maybe with an iron freshening up for Saturday. A few options, isn't there? Which, which is the preference of the three of you? I'll start with you, Gareth. I might be tempted to change the shape because I wasn't that keen on this sort of box midfield or whatever it was. It was too narrow and everyone seemed to be getting in each other's way. Um, I think it just contributed to us giving the ball away too much. Um but I'd, I'd be trying to find a way to keep O'Brien in there with White because I think they did work well together at the weekend. I know, it was and and, and the settled team and the settled system is but, a settled team and settled system is what he's going to be striving for, especially when he's he's making all these changes and he's so significantly different to the previous manager in the way he likes his team to play. Is he going to want to keep chopping it and changing it, Mick? I think I would usually be of the mindset to freshen things up because I think that's been our biggest Achilles heel under Jack Ross to an extent and definitely under Phil Parkinson was this is work and we won the game therefore I can't make any changes but I think with the five sub rule I think that's, yeah. a really good, that's a really good point I think if we are winning comfortably on save the hour mark and you can change um, almost half your team if you want to I do mm. think that that's this uh, is what I mean yeah it's a massive advantage to us this season because like normally like you say that your previous managers would have just kept the same team they would have been rigid with it and you would have had people who were knackered but he's been taking these players off with 20 minutes left so you know they're not playing a full 90 minutes and then he can do the same again if we put ourselves in a good position Melissa or, or, or would you be one who would want to freshen things up because my opinion would be keep, the, keep, keep it the same and go again 
Well, the conclusion I've come to, which is incredibly frustrating, is I agree with both points and I want to change it and keep it the same at the same time, which makes absolutely no sense. No, it doesn't <laughs> sound like it's an on-the-fence answer to me. That. No, no. What I would do, the two main things for me is exactly what Mickey said and said. You can basically change up your entire team within the space of a couple of minutes. I would prefer to play like 4-3-3 and have that kind of element to our game but I think what the change was during the game was how impactful those subs were so even if it gets to the point where I think we should keep it the same probably if I was pushed um, but I liked what I saw when the substitutes were made so it's 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 a bit of both I think someone like Maguire personally um, plays much better coming off the bench so if you can have that sort of kind of if you put a rocket up the arse for the second half at 60 minutes um it obviously has impact. I so, think you managed yeah, to agree with all three of us there individually in some in some way. That was quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I, I didn't realise we had a Liberal Democrat MP on the show tonight. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I think a big thing about tomorrow, I don't think it's so much personnel would like to see change, but like Gareth alluded to, I think we were far too narrow the other day. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I think that that was kind of a conscious tactic did kind of worry me a little bit. And I would like to see us stretch for play a little bit more. So I think that would be my biggest kind of change tomorrow. I would like to see us kind of try to stretch for play a little bit and get him behind because it was incredibly frustrating because moves were breaking down when we were trying to play for a little intricate passes through the middle. And if we do come off, it looks mint, but it can also be very bitty and frustrating if it doesn't. So like I say, if we can play with a bit more width and get it wide, then I think that would be a big improvement tomorrow night. That's something I feel like O'Brien did really well. He really did well to kind of to lengthen the game out. In yeah, that I think, you know... We've been we've been saying for a while, you know, how many podcasts have we done, Gareth, where we've said, right, now's the time to kick on, now's the time to put a run of results together and we've just not we've <laughs> just, just not been able to thing. do it. Well we've not been able to do it. So th- it is big on that respect because you know, he, he has uh, you know this, he ticked a lot of boxes on Saturday, Johnson, in, in that, you know, he made the subs that people have been calling out for, freshened it up, that appeared to work. Um we've got the ball into the box and and, and we found a centre forward who can start scoring goals, and we, we're trying to get on the front foot, which is what people want to see. So, the next thing now is to s- keep that sustained as a as a run of form, isn't it? And we've got a home game in a game in theory we should be winning. Wouldn't it just be nice to see for once the foot go on the throat, and for Sunderland to, to keep this up? A one-one. I think I would even. I think I would even kind of quite like to be a bit bored tomorrow night, just win 2 or 3-0. But, you know, like Rochdale at home last season where we were 3-0 up at half-time and the second half was just a non-context, a non-contest. And we may as well not bother coming out the second half. I'd even quite like to say that because I was looking before and we've won three home games all season. The last one of them came on the 3rd of November and that's absolutely deplorable for a team like Sunderland in this league. And you can guarantee if we're fans in the ground, we'll be getting, we'll be getting slaughtered because we've um, made them play like that. But I think when you look at our away record, we're still unbeaten away from home. It's really good. If we can supplement it with good home form, then there's no reason why we can't get promoted. We've got two massive home games this week. We can nearly double our tally for the season, which is really depressing if we win the two games this week. And I think that would just send a message out that we can put these runs together and we can mount a promotion motion challenge and if we fail to get six points this week then I'll, I'll be really concerned it's again ama- it's, a, it's amazing we're still in touch Gareth isn't it really well it, it seems like we've had a terrible season in a way and you know and you just think if even one of those games that we we managed to somehow draw managed to somehow lose it, even if we had a couple of points an extra couple of points on the board we'd be like right in the mix 
before the games kicked off on Saturday, we were fifth after our win. Um, I mean, we've got a really good goal difference. I think I think we've got the third best goal difference in the league. We've lost we've lost um, the least amount of games we've, in the we've league. We've only lost three well. games, so we need to convert some of those draws into wins. Mm. But we've been saying that for about two and a half years. So, like you say, it's this week. It would be nice just to get you know from the week of fixtures get nine points and get on a run and you know make it so that. When you do, then if you win four on the bounce and then draw one, you know that draw is not so bad. The problem is if you like win, draw, 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 win, draw, win, draw. It's like you need to get, you know, a pattern going of wins, and then the odd draw doesn't hurt you so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've already lot, I mean, we've already drawn far too many games this season as it is. Far too many. <laughs> That result against Hull will suddenly look like quite a good point if we can get a few wins on the board here. I think another kind of horror stat that I saw earlier today, we've won eight games all season out of 20, and obviously that's fewer than 50%. Mm-hmm. And when you're yeah. looking to get promoted, that's like a really poor return. And like you said, Stephen, it just goes to show the very kind of low quality of the league this season, because if we'd, put the, if we'd had this season's form in the season um, where we first came down when Luton and Barnsley ran away with it, we'd be nowhere near. Mm-hmm. I think as well, speaking to people, it's kind of really frustrating. It was a big sucker punch when we had that time out because of COVID and people are still thinking, oh, we've got plenty of games in hand. We haven't compared to everyone else. Everyone's had to go through that. <coughs> so I know a lot of people where they've said, oh, well, we've got a few games knocking on and we missed all that time, but it doesn't made much of a difference. Yeah, I think I thought that and then I looked at the league table and got a shock. <laughs> Bef- mm-hmm. I think before the whole game, I thought we had about seven games in hand uh, and then Sky showed you the league table. I was like, oh. <laughs> like, like I mean, Akron, 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 Akron have got three, haven't they? Akron Stanley got about three games in hand. They've got a skip full. I mean, it's a good job the games in hand have served us so well in the past as well. Oh well, but this is it. Yeah. This is what this is what I mean, and, and these are the things we need to start correcting because it's the same mm-hmm. things we've spoken about time after time. You know, week when after we week, season drawing, after season. When we keep drawing, I feel like. Just to cling on to any sort of positive, all people say is, well, we've got loads of games in hand. It's not good enough full stop. And then it, it doesn't really make a difference if you kind of convert those sort of games into proper points. Mm. I just, you know, we, we you, like all fans, we, we, we've uh, probably been guilty before of overplaying some result, the significance of some results, and then um, also sort of going go too far the other way as well when, when, when we lose a game uh, you know some people have been trying to write the season off and stuff and you think well we're only a couple of wins from the automatic promotion spots and we've still got to play these teams again you know we're only halfway through the season um, so but it, the sub thing feels significant to me for the you know after the game on Saturday I just thought this is just going to work for our advantage so much just having this kind of squad so I'm looking forward to the 1-1 draw or uh, 1-0 defeat tomorrow night Um um, Plymouth haven't won away in the league. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Wasn't that Wigan when they came here? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Magical. Yeah. Uh, a, nice, a nice little easy three points for Johnson. You know, ease himself in, yeah. take the game on the day, get yourself up and running. 15 We've minutes seen in. this film before, haven't we? Um, yeah. On that note, how possible, people? Come on, let's let's go out with a nice, confident prediction of what we think is going to happen. Let's go. Um, let's go, Gareth. I think we'll win 2 now. There you go. Charlie White to score again. If you like. That's it. Anyone? 
anyone you like. If you like white. Mm. Okay, well, no, no, I won't be bothered that. either. Mick. On, ask somebody else. <laughs> Mickey, what do you think? Yeah, I think, well, I th- I'm going to go for what I said before. It'll be like the Rochdale game at home last season. 3 0 at half time, quite comfortable. Then, second half, we'll be sat there really bored. Confidence is just pouring back into people, isn't it? After the season was nearly yep. nearly written off. It's- Melissa, what do you think? Uh, I think we'll win. I think we'll win 2 1. Um, I don't think White will score. I've got a I've got a good feeling about McGeady. I think White will score first. I think he's in he's in a run of form where strikers seem to just everything they the hit seems to go in. I think he'll score an early goal, but I think we'll probably make it a bit more nervy and two I'm gonna go for two one as well. Um and for a nervy finish perhaps. But you'd take it six points, wouldn't you? Anything else anybody yeah. else would like to add before we sign off? No, well, that's great, isn't it? Right. Well done. Well done, Charlie Wake. Well done, Charlie Wake. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening.